0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit wholefoodsmarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you.
0: I'm Tim Gunn, author, educator, and Project Runway mentor, and you're listening to Heritage Radio.
2: Welcome back to another episode of Magnifico Radio, the weekly podcast featuring conversations in ethical fashion, clean beauty, and sustainable living. This is episode 38, and I'm your host, Kate Black. This podcast is an extension of my blog, Magnifico.com, and that's magnifeco.com, and my book, also called Magnifico, Your Head-to-Toe Guide to Ethical Fashion and Non-Toxic Beauty. Each week, I sit down with leaders and makers and designers at the forefront of sustainability to discuss their journeys and motivation. One of the reoccurring themes over the past three seasons has been the intersection of consumption and the exorbitant amount of waste created by the fashion industry. Today's guest calls it the crisis of stuff and has spent over two decades creating innovative and relevant solutions to the crisis of stuff. Stephen Bethel's first company, Bank & Vogue has been a leader in wholesale used goods industry and is one of North America's largest recyclers. Bank & Vogue is also the parent to one of Europe's largest vintage clothing chains, Beyond Retro, with stores in London, Brighton, and Sweden. And now with his own factory in India, Beyond Retro is creating unique upcycled pieces, including this summer's sell-out prison bag that was made of prison uniforms and sold out at urban outfitters across the country. Welcome, Stephen. Hello. How are you?
3: (laughs) I'm really great. I'm absolutely great.
2: So let's start
3: Um, with... I'm really great.
2: Good. Let's start with a little background. You grew up in Canada, and how did Other People's Stuff become your business?
3: Uh, Other People's Stuff became a business that... um, Really, how I started was, uh, frankly, my love of Tuesday night. You know, we... um, I would... uh, Walked down the road, and my, you know, on Tuesday night was garbage night in my city, and just saw the amount of consumption that you know somebody would have a a scratch chair or a, or a you know discarded piece of furniture, and thought, look at look at the amount of stuff that's available. And uh, I spent my my um, every Saturday with my parents as a kid at local farm auctions, and just looking at all the, the, and falling in love with. Things with age and character, rather than brand new things. So, I, I grew up uh, uh, in the auction yards of eastern Ontario, uh, just falling in love with uh, things that were unique and, and beautiful, and those are often found in discarded items.
2: And then, it, and really, it's progressed over the past two, two plus decades, right? You've just kind of gone from Tuesday night treasures to now there's pretty much nothing that you won't um, send containers of stuff around the world. Like, can you just talk about the evolution of the business and how Bank & Vote became one of North America's largest recyclers?
3: So about uh, 20 years ago, we uh, started working with um, a Canadian charity who was, ha- who was collecting uh, clothing, shoes, purses, and belts, and uh, literally couldn't find a market for them. I walked into this warehouse, uh, it was in Ottawa, and there were uh, 1,000-pound bales upon bales upon bales of mixed-use clothes, and was just amazed at the size and the volume and the opportunity. And literally uh, 20 years ago, it was back in pre-internet days, I went to uh, the local library, found phone books for uh, companies in uh, and names for companies in the U.S. And that was the beginning of our brokerage business of Bank & Vogue. So we buy, uh, you know, when a typical donor gives clothes to a charity, uh, the charity, if they run a thrift store, Will put 50% of it on the shop floor. Typically, 50% of that sells, which means that the vast majority of the clothing, the shoes, the bristles, and belts that go to thrift stores across Canada and the United States, they can't sell in a thrift store. And so, our company, Bank of Vogue, saw an opportunity to be able to take these thousand pound bales by the truckload and uh, find homes for them, relevant homes in. Uh, developing uh, countries around the world, so we now sell between 40 and 60 containers a week of mixed-use clothes from all across the United States. So that's about four million garments a week, and we find homes for them in Central America, South America, in Africa, India, Pakistan. And so that, that burgeoning of the first day that I saw my first thousand-pound bail, it, it woke me up to the possibility of how much was out there, but also um, the, the 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 opportunity that these clothes could uh, find a second life.
2: And there's a lot of misconception in the marketplace that, that, um, that this redistribution that you're describing is not actually what's happening, that it's actually dumping or something a little bit more nefarious. First of all, can you, can you expand on, on how you think that misconception got, got bandied around and then why consumers really kind of aren't, aren't supporting this, this industry and this idea of brokerage and, and the movement of stuff?
3: It's certainly it's it, it absolutely um, a, a, an oddity that we in in the north, um, you know, we we particularly in the last ten years, uh, where with fast fashion, where people wear something once or twice and then it's spun around, and the reality is is that um, uh, those clothes need to go somewhere. The other thing is that a lot of the countries that these uh, go to don't have an industrial complex, to, uh, they don't have sewing factories, they don't have the, the industry uh, to be able to support um, uh, the broad array of product. A really good example of why this works is somewhere like El Salvador. On the one hand, El Salvador makes uh, millions upon millions of t-shirts and sweatshirts um, in these enormous factories. But they don't need just need a, a one common. They don't, just don't need t-shirts and sweatshirts and else other. They need the array of skirts, dresses, and blouses. So it's it is an exchange where on one hand they're making t-shirts and sweatshirts, which are then sold in the West and, and for a higher price than um, than the variety of products that are sold. There was a really good study that was just done um, by um, the Scandinavian countries. Got together and and did an economic analysis of the impact of used clothes sales from Europe into Africa, and whether it was a harm or whether it was a an add on. And the reality is is that uh, at their conclusion, it was it's like a two hundred page report it talks about um, how in fact there's a, a huge economic multiplier. There's a shipping industry that's built around it, there's a trucking industry, there's local markets, there's small markets, there's family markets. And, and a lot of these are women entrepreneurs that are running these market stalls in the third world uh, or developing world. So their conclusion was that uh, this actually has a plus value to the economy rather than a drain. But it, but certainly it's an open debate, and it, and it's a healthy one that we all should be participating in but also probably speaks to a, an original problem, which is consumption in the north, because that's where the problem starts.
2: Exactly, consumption and and production. And I think um, because you and I have known each other for a couple of years now, and, and these stats just continue to grow, especially around landfill. Like, it's surprising, because I also grew up in Canada, we never threw things out, but I keep seeing all of these numbers about landfill. Um, and the latest number I, I saw was that um, let me just see where it is to the, the equivalent of more than 2 million average size male elephants is the total textile waste that Americans are putting in landfill, 2 million male elephants. And it, it's so surprising to me, but when I was preparing for this interview, I started to look at this article or a couple of series of articles that Huffington Post posted last, um, published in september and one of them was actually it said and part of it was clickbait but it said um where wh- here's what goodwill actually does with your donated clothes and in the first paragraph it said that they send them to landfill which which is not what is actually explained later on it's further went on to explain that only a small portion if they were wet or damaged or dirty had to go to landfill but it just kind of it pretty painted this whole industry with a brush of everybody is going to landfill. And so how do you, how does, how does your side of the fence kind of counter that?
3: And for sure, um, there is a portion of clothes that do go to landfill, but it's small. It's, it's in the single digits. The reality is, is that there is a, a vibrant economy for secondhand. And it's not just, uh, it's not, it's also not just in, in the developing world. So, obviously, Beyond Retro in um, England and Sweden, uh, we've got uh, fantastic stores that uh, where we're picking through and finding relevant uh, product and turning that product um, onto uh, putting it in a, in a shelf and offering a consumer an alternative to buying new in the U.K. So, you know, the excess of, of uh, some of the American uh, product is also an opportunity for resale in the, in uh, in the UK and in Sweden at the Beyond Retro stores. I love um, this. Sorry, sorry, go on. No, and, I, and what's, what's more exciting for us as a business is over 20 years, we started with the premise that, look, there's a home for this product, uh, the used product, of which we spent 20 years going to 30 plus countries around and finding a second life And a home and making clothing accessible to people that didn't have it. Then there was also, as the premise was, not only is there a a home for it, but there's an exciting home in a new setting. And by taking something that um, is in, um, you know, in a, uh, there was a discard from a thrift store in America and putting it in the heart of fashion in London and it having relevance that's that's a real success but even but what's even more exciting is now with our remanufacturing is that not only have we proven that vintage in london can be part of the landscape of fashion and that used can be part of the landscape of fashion but we're now proving that remanufacturing of used goods can be part of the landscape of fashion so whether it be our versace print bag that's selling really well at urban outfitters um or um, a backpack which is being sold in our own, our own stores we're deconstructing garments and then remanufacturing it So, I, I actually think that our journey, Bank & Vogue's journey as innovative and relevant solutions to the crisis of stuff is like the first day I walked into the warehouse and saw these massive piles of clothes you can either look at a problem and, and shake your head and go this is just a disaster or get excited about the opportunity and and that's what we've that's, that's that hope is what we've uh, what what we see
2: and you know you bring up a really good point because I think actually consumers have maybe lost a little bit of that hope because I think if they could think that, um, cause there's a lot of designer guilt, there's a lot of producer guilt. Now there's some consumer guilt. Um, and it, and it seems to be kind of log jamming all the industry as a whole. But when I hear you talk and I hear you talk about the second life or the third life or the continuation of the journey of stuff, it, it all seems just a little bit better. And I love, I love the story about Beyond retro and and how you kind of felt a need or saw a need to to repurpose and then resell, especially in the UK where they back in the, those days had a greater appreciation for vintage than they do in America. I think it's growing over here, but definitely um, they led the way. How many stores do you have now?
3: So in uh, in the UK we have uh, four brick stores. Um, so we're in uh, in East London, in Shoreditch and in Dalston. And Soho, right in downtown uh, the shopping district in Soho in London. And a shop in Brighton. Well, we also have four stores in uh in Sweden, in uh Gothenburg, Malmö, and Stockholm. Um and we have an online store, Beyondretro.com dot com, where we have thirty thousand unique items. Um and Beyond Retro really what makes Beyond Retro work is there's a lot of very clever people at Beyond Retro who are who have their steer to the ground looking for trends and they interpret the trends uh using vintage. And that's kind of that's an exciting thing because it's not about interpreting the trends and cutting down another polyester tree uh to make the trend. It's interpreting the trends through something uh old. And that that to us is exciting.
2: It is. And and I think you're like one of the forefront to have, you know, trend forecasters on staff. Everything comes again. You know, 1970s boho dresses are inspired by 1970s. So if you have your trend analyst saying, okay, you know what, this season it is going to be 70s floral and your pickers are pulling out everything from all the reams of bales that you get, it's actually really authentic fashion. And, And so I think that that's must be one of the reasons for your continued success. And maybe leading to and, your and, it's,
3: and frankly, it's accessible. You know, our our price points are within range. So not only is it a, a good environmental alternative, but frank, frankly, it's a good price point alternative. Um so the, you know that that part part of this that what is going to make the the used business and it and it's our tagline: innovative and relevant solutions crisis stuff. The word relevant is very important. It has to be relevant to the consumer wherever the product ends up, whether it be our remanufactured items or whether it be the vintage, a customer has to come in and and, uh, and have an affinity that's gotta be relevant to the market that they're that they're in. Um, and and, and that, that that key relevance is you know is the fashion chase, isn't it? But um,
2: Yes. Everybody's looking for that magic piece that no one else has.
3: You know, it's funny, I, you know, Kate, I I, uh, I, I live off the grid in Canada. I, you know, the nearest telephone pole is two kilometers away from my house. I live in a house that has solar panels. And right at the end of my, at, at the end of, I um, don't you know, about 100 yards from my house is a, a family of bald eagles. And 10 years ago, there were no bald eagles in our part of eastern Ontario. And now um, there's been these two pair of bald eagles that six, um you know baby eagles and a lot of it is is about um our society changing the way in which uh, we're making an impact. So I think that the, the, the rise of, of the way used clothing is being collected. I think the the vintage business in, in across as a second home within the north, but also this remanufacturing that we're doing at Beyond Retro, these are all things that will make a significant impact. And kind of like my bald eagle story, I, you know, I, so the chicks this year are about eight weeks old. They're, uh, they're about 18 inches high. You think we can have a positive impact, and, and we can bring the bald eagles back. We can turn this clock backwards. Um, and, I, and that's that's what motivates me to, uh, whether it be to help a charity get more value for their donated goods, uh, or help uh, a, a reseller in Central America. Um, all of that is part of the evolution of a solution to the crisis of stuff. Because the crisis of stuff is very real. This year, the garment industry will make a hundred billion garments, and we we are coming up with solutions. But we all need to put our shoulder to realize that 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 is a crisis, and we need to apply some resources and and, and innovation to be able to figure out homes for that that product
2: that's true okay we need to take a quick break um hold on and we'll be right back because i want to talk more about the factory
1: we get them. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Whole Foods Market believes in seeking out local, fresh, and seasonal food and in supporting local farmers, makers, and the community as a whole, economically and agriculturally. Whole Foods Market believes in food that is vivid and colorful, fresh and full of nutrients. Food that connects you to your body, the seasons, and to nature. Food that helps you do more, sleep better, and wake up happier. Found in over 400 locations throughout the United States, Whole Foods Market only sells food that meets their standards, which means no artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, or sweeteners, ever. Whole Foods Market believes in real food. Visit wholefoodsmarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more.
3: Hi, I'm Akiko Kateyama, host of Japan Eats on Heritage Video Network, where you can discover the latest topics and deepest knowledge of Japanese food culture with my cool guests tune in on Mondays at 3pm to hear about topics like the science behind Japanese dashi, a rare conversation with a traditional sake brewer or sushi famously beautiful and obsessive Japanese coffee culture, secret recipes of ramen, how to make Japanese-style pickles, and much, much more. Please support my show and all of the Heritage Radio Network's programming. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Thank you so much. I hope to see you on JapanEats.
2: And we're back. You're listening to Magnifico Radio. This is Kate Black. And today I'm sitting down with Stephen Bethel. So just before the breakout, we were starting to get into the factory and I would love to hear a little bit more about the evolution of that because just like Beyond Retro kind of fit this need of what to do with really groovy on trend pieces. Now the new factory is also filling a need.
3: It's, you know, what's kind of exciting is that um, uh, as, the, as the solutions for the crisis of stuff come together and um, the, there is a, um, um, a modernization of the collection of used clothes, what's happened over the last, uh, particularly in the last 10 years, there's been about two or three major hubs around the world where used clothes are ending up but the what the exciting thing about that is it allows for very specific product groupings to be able to be made because of the volume ends up in one place and and a really good example is um cashmere sweaters uh you know 15 years ago it was really hard to get a container of used cashmere sweaters but now because of the centralization of grading that is these containers of used clothes come to one or three spots around the world, they can they can literally go through the sweaters and find the one out of a thousand cashmere sweaters, put those one out of a thousand in a new pile, and sell cashmere, reuse cashmere as a commodity, which could then be re re spun into new yarn. So, uh, about uh, twelve uh, years ago, we started to work with a factory in uh, northern India, uh, in a free zone, and. Started to look at the possibilities that, you know, there are some products that there are no homes for. There's no secondhand market for um, London fog, rain max or, or long trench coats like the kind uh, uh, Inspector Gadget would wear. So we said, we we said, well, what what are the innovative and relevant solutions to this product? The other thing is that in uh, in our own shops, we were buying cotton shoppers to to sell, and it. And it really bothered me that we were buying uh, something uh, that was harvesting new cotton to be able to just make um, uh, a symbol. And we really believe that uh, our message, the way in which we tell it, um, like Marshall McLuhan, the the mes- the medium is the message. The way in which we tell people about Beyond Retro is really important. So we, so about uh, five six years ago. We started cutting up the Rain Macs and putting our stamp on them and making simple coats out of it. And over the course of uh, the last five years, we've been, been able, been through a journey of seeing remanufacturing, essentially what everybody's mum did for, you know, take the curtains off the wall and make Susie's dress. We've done that, except that we've, uh, we've done it on scale. So we have a factory that we're making 12 to 15,000 items a month, and these are um, these are taking the excess, the crisis of stuff, the things that have been discarded, that don't have a secondary market, cutting them up and making them into a relevant item for um, both our own stores in London at Beyond Retro, but also uh, for high street stores in the U.S. For example, our um, uh, we have a uh, a mini backpack, which is made of, uh, old jeans on the inside and Versace print, uh, it's like a, a chainmail print on the outside. Uh, and that's being, being, being manufactured at scale. So we're bringing in product. We're sorting it. We're deconstructing it. We're remaking it into a relevant shape and, uh, and having great success in the urban outfitter, uh, outfitter stores in the U.S. selling that product.
2: Like with the the prisoner bag, with all the prisoner yeah, made that, out of prisoner. That was uniforms. another really
3: great great story. You know that that um, the irony is is that um, there are almost uh, four million prisoners in the U.S. and that means that there are, that a lot of those people need um, prison outfits, and a lot of the prison outfits are these bright orange outfits, and and there's no secondhand market for bright orange prison outfits in in developing world, so we took the, the innovative idea to cut them up and make a, uh, a backpack or a carry-all out of the American orange uh, prison outfit. They stand out and they, they look fantastic. It's
2: so amazing and I think I think these kind of, um, the, the distribution centers are, are fascinating, number one, because I love the story about the, the shoe collection center in Pakistan. Can you just kind of talk about that for one second?
3: so the what happened with the industry the used clothing industry is that the the clothing clothing needs to be sorted in a low cost center so clothing is collected in uh, in England and in Europe and in America it's put in a thousand on bales and there's two or three centers pakistan has one india has another where literally this clothes the clothing comes in and there are thousands of thousands of hands that manually sort the clothes between uh, men's shirts, men's long sleeve shirts, men's short sleeve shirts, making them into relevant piles—a product that can either be resold or recycled. Um, and, and one of those centers is in uh, that we're working in is in the uh, Gujarat in India, and so this creates employment in uh, often in, in underemployed areas but also is uh, creating value by, you know, by literally the sorting process. Um, and that that originally was done uh, close to the centers where, where the product was or originated, but the limitation there was you couldn't make very specific groupings of very specific commodities.
2: And so now if there's a random blue shoe somewhere in the world, it will find a home... When it, when it lands in Pakistan.
3: Yeah, So the really crazy thing is that um, imagine uh, some of the large charities in, in the world or in the U.S. Uh, get given bags of shoes. You, 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 you know, Kate, you go and empty your closet out and your, your husband's shoes out this spring. You put them in a bag, you throw them in a bin, the odd time that bag will open up and one shoe will get misplaced. And literally there are there's an industry now of uh, people who buy containers of single shoes. So so Bank Invoke buys those containers from charities throughout the United States. We ship them to Pakistan. In Pakistan, there, are, there is an industry,' there's massive warehouses where they sort the shoes between sports shoes and dress shoes and high heels, then they sort them by size, then they sort them by color, and then they kind of make kind of, So they're not perfect shoes, they're kind of matches. And to us, that's an innovative uh, and relevant solution because somebody has what was going to be a garbage item uh, in the North and has made a a pair of of shoes. And it's it's made having shoes accessible uh, in another part of the world. To, To us, this is... I don't know. It's a, great, it's, it's a great story. So, absolutely. So, we sell containers. We buy and sell containers of single shoes. Um, and it's just exciting to have an innovative and relevant solution. And the crisis of stuff comes in all forms, whether it be cashmere sweaters or single shoes or trench coats or or black denim jeans. It's just part of the array of the problem that we're trying to solve. I love that. Cause,
2: yeah, because it makes me think, like, if I was a brand... Um, or a heritage brand. You know, London Fog is a good example, but I can think of a dozen others. And I wanted to make a shopper or I wanted to make, you know, a couple of one-off pieces with old scrap. I would never be able to find all of those kind of pieces from past collections or, you know, kind of past products that we'd made. But in your sorting centers, that's possible, right?
3: What we're excited about is not only can we uh, make a, a, you know, can we find... Um, you know, hundreds of Pendletons or hundreds of specific brands, but to us is that we've we've gone through this mission that we've we've been on a journey with many others that vintage can be part of the landscape of fashion. But we're now on a mission to to say that used garments can also be a component to manufacturing, and that this mission is is close and near and real. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be that we would take an item and make the full a new full item it can be just a component but our our belief is' kind of like the paper industry when it was when we started them you know 25 years ago you know I got a piece of paper and it had five percent recycled content and everybody was excited and then it got to 10 and then it got to 15 and 20 we know that we're on a journey that uh, clothing will be fully recycled it, and it, and there's a lot of complications about how that is to be done, but um, this remanufacturing is a component of or a step towards a longer journey.
2: I love it. I'm so glad you could join me today. Um, As part of my third season, I have these three questions that I've been asking every guest. Um, So I wanted to know who or what inspires you?
3: Uh, Probably the most inspirational thing that I'd ever heard was Really briefly, I was in uh, Robben Island, in um, off the coast of South Africa. I had listened for an hour uh, about uh, um, you know what Nelson Mandela and the people went through, and as we were leaving, a prison guard said to us, an ex prisoner who is an alum, somebody giving the tour, said, "Enjoy your freedom." And it just struck that we have the ability to to make a positive impact. And enjoy ourselves doing it. So certainly my my inspiration comes from an ex-prisoner and now a tour guide from Robin Island.
2: Oh, I like that. And so is that, do you also have a motto for your life? You
3: know, and I, I don't know. You know, the motto probably would be those two baby eagles that are crying this morning at 5.30 in the morning. It's something that makes me rip those sheets off in the morning and jump into my slippers and get going in my day, is, is to see that we can make a positive influence. We work on this this crisis of stuff together, um, frankly, the Eagles will come back, and that, those echoes from the eulations the from the baby Eagles, they probably say the motto of the best.
2: That's awesome, and I love I love the whole the whole kind of business ethos of what you've done and what you're doing because it's ever evolving. But what's next on your bucket list? What are you working
3: towards? As I said, we you know um, both Bank and Vogue and Beyond Retro, we're proud of the contribution we've made uh, on a business level. You know the bucket list is continual, and none of this would work without some amazing talent in London and in Sweden and in Canada it is to continue the journey on innovative and relevant solutions to the crisis of stuff you know it, and, and the, the bucket is probably a really good example Is we we want to collect as much stuff in our bucket and make sure that it doesn't go in the landfill and find a second home for it
2: that's amazing thank you so much for joining me today thank you for sharing this story thank you for actually helping dispel a little bit about what goes on in 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 your industry and um, helping people maybe get a little bit more comfortable about um, consumption as long as they embrace the second life and and what can happen after um, the first purchase is there any way that listeners can follow you or your projects or beyond retro
3: yeah, by all means, um, so certainly uh, beyondretro.com is our website, and there you'll see our Instagram feed and our, um, our Facebook feed. And uh, on a business level, you know, we have uh, you know, close to 300 employees worldwide. Um, you know, if, if you're a business interested in, in in what to do with your stuff or want to create something out of your stuff, um, Bank Invoke, uh, so bankvoke.com. In Ottawa, we're we're always keen to hear from people.
2: That's great. Thank you again, Stephen. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Kate. Thank you all for tuning into the Heritage Radio Network, to my engineer, David Tattashore, and to Metro Jesus for our music. You can find and subscribe to Magnifico Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find great podcasts. And if you like what you hear, kindly give us a review. I'd love to hear your thoughts, and maybe also a rating. It helps us rank higher amongst conventional fashion podcasts and to push these conversations forward. To learn more about ethical and upcycled fashion, visit Magnifico.com. Thanks for listening, and until next week
3: thanks for listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org